0: If your job is on life support, you need The Job Doctor. My brain is a walking database of thousands of case studies on how careers rise and fall. I'll help you diagnose what's really going on. It's the guidance you need to get back on track from someone who's been there. You can make the money you always wanted to make, doing the type of work you have always wanted to do. You may just need a little help from The Job Doctor. Hello everybody and welcome to The Job Doctor. Today, We're going to talk about managers, good managers, bad managers, when do you make a decision that you have to go, and what do you try before you leave? What are the techniques you should use to see if you can turn the situation around? That is today's topic on The Job Doctor. Hello, Brett, and welcome to the show. How are you?
1: I'm good, Tessa. I'm really excited to be here with you. Thank you so much for having me today.
0: We are so happy to have you. First, because you are a longtime follower of mine on TikTok, and this is the first time we've really spoken. And yes. so I'm really anxious to hear some of what you have learned and some of the things you've been through because it's representative of many people's, no doubt. So yeah, and I'm sure. let's talk a little bit about toxic managers. I and mean, that's our topic today. Good managers, but also toxic manager and what makes a toxic manager. I understand you've been through quite the ringer over the last uh, few years. Tell me a quick story about that.
1: Yes, definitely, and I just have to say from the beginning, thank you to you because so much of what you talk about has really helped me navigate some of these situations. You know, when I came from, I came from a work environment where it was almost like the perfect work environment. I had a boss who believed in me, gave me opportunity to grow, um, was a sponsor and a mentor as a boss for me, and really um, gave me this footing in this professional environment, which was new for me. You know, so when. There was a shift in leadership in my organization, and I started to experience things differently than they were done beforehand. You know, I started to scratch my head. Uh, I started to uh, second-guess myself in some of these things that were going on, and I started questioning, is this normal? Is this just a different leadership style? Is this how things are with with a younger leader versus a more senior leader? Um you know and I really started listening to people like yourself and learning you know maybe some of these things are not how they're supposed to be and maybe myself as a professional need to do something differently to understand if this is a great work environment for myself.
0: This is the twilight zone experience that many people have. <laughs> you come off of a a decent or a really good manager even mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you say is this me? Is the problem me to quote Taylor Swift or is it <laughs> something else? So, take us through how you sorted this out.
1: Sure, definitely. So, I think, you know, I learned one of the early things I learned from watching you. I think one of the first things I came across was the conversation of the expectations um, versus what you're observing, right? And I needed to understand um, with my new boss, my new leader, that we were on the same page. And I wanted to make sure, right? Well, I'm very in- intuitive. And one of the first things I asked myself was, is this a toxic work environment? Like I needed to understand that what I identify as toxic may not be what someone else identifies as toxic, right? So I needed to So what is toxic
0: I, to you? I'm I'm curious. What did you yeah. decide it was?
1: It's it's so I think for myself, you know, somewhere where I don't feel motivated, where my passion starts to be diminished and I start to feel defeated and I'm not free to express creativity and make decisions, especially at like a director level. You know, you speak so much about. The different roles and the different levels in right. career progression that at that level, you kind of have the reins to make decisions and do things. And when I've had so much success doing that, and I have a new leader who is kind of micromanaging and taking some of that away, I was very confused. And for myself, I wasn't able to perform the way that I've been accustomed to performing. And for myself, I had like this internal battle of like, what's really going on here? I'm in this job to do this because I deliver these results and I'm not able to do it.
0: Brett, what you are describing is the most common thing. When I go into a company, they'll hire me to come in and say, what's wrong? Why are we failing? And almost, almost without fail, I could give them the answer beforehand. It's that people simply want to make a difference. And yeah. the way that some managers lead is they don't allow their people's best and brightest mm-hmm. to come through. They don't allow that secret sauce that you bring. And okay. it sounds like, just like every other company, you were being diminished because you had a lot to give and there weren't opportunities to give it.
1: It's funny, even in one of those conversations, because I met with this person, my boss, multiple times for breakfasts to try to figure out why it it became apparent there was a conflict here. right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And we had many conversations. And I even remember one of the conversations because she was new in her role, which was a completely new area of the company, right? Operations versus like a a different area of Mm -hmm. the company. And I remember saying like, I will make us both look good. Like, just let me do this. This is I've gotten this far based on my success. She knew who I was. It wasn't like we were meeting each other for the first time. But I think there was, you know, she was a little bit younger than my previous boss. And I think there was these younger generations, myself included, um, there's like a validation and an instant gratification that is tied in with us that like we think we can make it happen better. And it's like this weird situation that goes on. And I was experiencing this, and the conversation was like, I I will make us look good. Like it like just let that's all I want to do. You know? Well, and it's all and she wants myself.
0: to do as well. That's the thing. Even yeah. managers, I know we love to demonize them, but managers also want to succeed and want yeah. to be valued. So, okay, what I would like to do, for those listening that don't know this model that you addressed, we're going to talk about how you had this conversation, but let me just very quickly, for those listening, this is the model that you use when you hit up against uh, an expectation that's not met, uh, something that happens with, between you and your manager that isn't expected. What did I expect? That's number one. What did I observe? Third part, what are the consequences to me, to you, to others? That's where you get to put the I feel statements in. And what can prevent this from happening again? And usually I, I pivot to three magic questions, which is, is that how you see it? Mm-hmm. Is there something I'm missing that I don't understand about what's going on? Or is that what you intended? And so for people to listen, let's hear how, how you had this conversation and how yeah. it went for you.
1: So I think, and, and the conversation happened multiple times over a few different breakfasts, but like the majority of those conversations, when especially early on when this was first coming about and I needed to kind of break the ice on the apparent conflict that was happening here, um, was pretty much of understanding that, you know, what were her expectations of me and what were my expectations in this role as a director level, right? Like it, it's, it's my expectations that I'm going to deliver on building strategy, increase volume, uh, you know, things that are targetable, right, Fair. based on goals and check, some of the check. KPIs, right? And then I looped in, you know, what I'm observing, you know, and I'll give one example of, of in doing that, you know, I work in healthcare, um, physician relationships is, is very important for what, what I do. Um, and it's what I've prided kind of my career on. And I had come to learn that there was a meeting that took place with some of my key physicians, unbeknownst to me, mm. behind my back Ouch. to insinuate is everything, is everything good over here or should I be concerned? And it kind of threw everybody for a loop, but it was the perfect thing of, you know, my expectations in this role are for me to perform this way, but what I'm observing is this type of behavior and, and, and what am I missing? Uh, should I be doing something differently, right? And I, I was trying to leave it open-ended so that if I was seeing something completely different, there was opportunity for her to tell me what she wanted so I could meet that. And when it just was not apparent that she could even grasp why I was saying what I was saying and where the confusion was, Mm -hmm. it became very clear that this was in an environment and somebody that I could report to for the long-term because it was not going to be conducive for how I performed and what I was capable of doing.
0: I'm curious. What, what was her answer to that in a nutshell?
1: Uh, extreme defensiveness. And I couldn't even, I have to kind of think now of like exact She Number one, she saw nothing wrong with meeting with the physicians behind my back, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, you know, and it was, and that, to me, spoke to the volumes of somebody who didn't understand exactly the role that they played in this situation and the environment and how important the trust is in physicians. Right. Um, and, and the defensiveness of there's nothing wrong with that. This is this is what I can do and this is what I'm going to continue to do. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the, the communication was pretty much squashed there. There was no where do you go from that?
0: Yeah. If you have a conversation that goes awry and you can't have kind of a meeting of the minds or at least a, at least see each other's perspectives, it does tend to fall apart. And I yeah. would be willing to predict that after that moment in time, it, the divide felt bigger and continued yeah. to get bigger, correct?
1: Yeah, it grew. And there was, you know, I was one of a couple um, people in a similar role to myself, similar situations and problems that were happening one of the other people had left, you know, and I oversaw one area of operations, this other person saw over another area of operations. And the solution was that I would assume all responsibility. And, you know, after a couple months, when, you know, listening to people like yourself, understanding like how to do value propositions in terms Mm -hmm. of asking for salaries and things like that, you know, part of those conversations was asking, Um, for a little bit of a different compensation structure and and a higher amount, which was very fair. I have an HR background. I'm very in with it and fair. And I'm not going to go, you know, I didn't ask for this person's whole salary. You know, that's not what I did. Um, You know, and I was told that, you know, there's, there's no additional work. That's a stretch assignment, you know, and and understanding that when work capacity doubles by a hundred (laughs) percent.
0: How how long was this stretch job? I'm curious. It was,
1: it was five months when we when I broached the conversation of this. What are we doing about this? I asked.
0: I asked that. I think it's important. People all the time get what we call a stretch assignment under the um, umbrella that this is a growth opportunity. Which, by the way, it might be right. Yeah. It gives you uh, the ability without having the permanent role to step into some new things and and see how you perform. But what really gets my goat is when it becomes a permanent part of the job without Mm -hmm. any expectation of an increase, when it's a significant lift. Now, I am of the belief that you don't have to have an increase for every little thing you do different. In America versus the (laughs) UK, we like to shuffle jobs up and change them all the time. But what you're describing is a complete doubling up for Mm -hmm. an extended period of time. Without increase. Yeah. So when you got yeah. the no, what happened?
1: So when I got the no, I really, I really understood that I'm not valued here. And I also realized I don't have an advocate in my leading, which was a problem for me as a young professional looking to really build this career and like make my mark that this was not somebody who was going to advocate for me. I understood what this other person's salary was. I was involved with some of the HR stuff on the background. I knew what it was, and I was also a part of the conversations of how they were reallocating all of those funds. So Mm -hmm. I I knew what could be done. And when it was just a no or a continued, I'll ask, I'll ask, well, I'll come back to you. I knew that it was time for me to go. I knew what I asked for was so reasonable. I knew the pay salary, the salary ranges, it was very realistic. And when I knew that that was it, um, I knew that it was time for me to to seek the next opportunity.
0: So I think it's important to call out that I always coach people to try to have the hard conversations and really hit at it over and over. But that does not imply that somebody has to stay at a company if they find through having those conversations that there is a real difference of opinion. And mm-hmm. sometimes a parting of the ways is the right answer. So you did the tough thing and mm-hmm. you had a parting of the ways. Are you glad you did it?
1: Probably the best thing I did. and. You know right now it's november was a full year since that and um so it's a little over a year now and you know the more that time goes by you said it like at the beginning i learned so much of what to do from my first boss and what not to do from the second person that it's still today i can say was an extremely valuable situation for myself not only because i came out on the other side with this amazing opportunity that I'm in, to, I'm in today. I'm still with the same organization. I'm on a corporate team within the organization. I got not only what I had originally wanted in terms of salary, I got 50% increase over my, over my original salary. I get to work from home a couple of days a week. I'm on the strategy side of it. It's, it's different for me. Um, I say to my husband all the time, it was the best thing I ever did. And when I was in it, right? When, you're, when your face is on the screen, you can't see the whole picture. That's and right. now that I'm able to take a couple steps back, I can see what it was and I see the value in all the good and the bad. And I'm, and I'm just grateful to have gone through something like that um, to know what I can do for myself, how I can advocate for myself, what is acceptable for me, what's not acceptable for me, what red flags are, what are yellow flags, right? Like in all of these things in the professional environment.
0: I think it's really important. A lot of people don't make the the difficult move. They just stay miserable for a very long time and they don't have the courage to make the move. and. I mean, I unfortunately have had to lay off so many people in my time, and a lot of these friends I have followed with very closely. And most people who leave, there's something that happens. They get very clear on their value proposition. What do I have that you need next company? Forces you Mm -hmm. to think through that. And it also forces you to think through what is important to me? What do I value? Because it's different for every single person what they value and what a fit looks like. I tell people all the time, don't just go work for one of the top 20 companies to work for because you saw it on Glassdoor. That's terrible. You need to know what's important to you. Do you like structure? Do you not like structure? Do you like big companies? Do you like small companies? How do you like to work, your work style, and, and how do you like to work with people and find the right match? Because that's what's going to work and it looks like you ended up being right where you needed to be all along. Yeah, everything always
1: works out the way it's supposed to. You know, and what I what I think is important especially as we're talking about toxic work environments and if you do make the decision to leave and and really if you even if you don't make the decision to leave, the mental health aspect that comes along with like being in a toxic work environment then coming out of a toxic work environment and being in a new work environment, like I realized for a long time there were still some like residual effects of like waiting for the shoot, the other shoe to drop you know of like mm-hmm. w- like is this too good to be true like it's and it's it's crazy to me because my time with the new leader was like a fifth of the time with my original leader but it like kind of free train, it was it was like a it was a crazy thing that I kind of went through you know of like second guessing myself and things and and waiting like oh my boss is calling did I do something wrong like how is this conversation gonna go you know and it's it's uh it doesn't always have to be that way.
0: Well, I found that uh, with layoffs, especially, and there's so many going on right now. I know. It's like a near-miss breakup. If you Mm -hmm. stay in a company and you're not laid off, it's a near-miss breakup. And you have trust issues. You're suspicious of your company, just like you would be in a near-miss breakup. And if you actually were the one that pulled the trigger like you did and said, I'm heading off to this other company, Mm -hmm. uh, you still carry with you the trauma, I guess, for lack of a better word, of the experience that you just went through and you carry it with you into the new uh, employment. So what advice would you give people, having been someone who had the courage to leave and start over, what advice would you give somebody who is making that similar journey?
1: I really think, you know, reprioritize what's important for yourself, both professionally and personally. And really for myself, I found that when it was impacting me that much, my professional and personal life were so intertwined and there was such an overlap that I'm coming home from work and I'm still feeling those feelings while I'm at work. And it became this constant. It was one state. It wasn't like I could clock out and be okay. Like it became it, it took over my life. And I think of in understanding that who I am at work and who I am at home are two completely different people and they don't need to overlap and I don't need to bring those feelings home and really just reprioritize. What am I doing for myself? How am I starting my day? How am I ending my day? You know, and really taking that time to prioritize you, yourself, and your well-being as a person, not just an employee, right? But as a husband, as a family member, and all those other titles that we wear because it's super important. And, And not only do we suffer internally... All of those other titles that we hold, the people who are, are on the other end of those titles, they suffer too because we're showing up to those relationships as the burnt down and unhappy employee, which isn't fair to them. They don't deserve that.
0: And that's right. So I had a very similar experience. I came home, well, it started with my husband who texts me at about nine o'clock at night. And he's like, are you coming home, basically? And this was becoming a really bad habit of working these late hours and instead of taking the, what, 10 seconds it would have taken to have a really nice, thoughtful text in return, I just put the little emoji that said, call you back. You know, let's, it, to me, I was saying, yeah, I'm here. Thank you. Love tap. Yeah. To him, yeah. it was like, that is so rude. I got home that night and he said, if this is who you are, this isn't going to work. And I need to ask you the question, why are you doing this night after night? It's making you miserable at home and it's making... All the things we're trying to do with our family, really miserable. And it became a turning point decision for me. And what I realized is that I am the only one that can cry uncle and say, this doesn't Mm -hmm. work for me anymore. And when I made the decision, here's what's next for people. I want them to understand there aren't only two choices, stay or go. There's multiple layers. There's do I stay and reinvent 2.0 version of myself? Mm -hmm. Do I go Do I try and move elsewhere in the company to somewhere else? Do I pivot altogether to another industry? And I actually have a whole chapter in my book on this, on should I stay or should I go? And if you're thoughtful about it and you do it the right way, for me, it was about a one, what was it? Uh, Maybe it was probably a year transition for me from that point. I wanted to finish up some projects so I could use them on my resume. Then I talked to my boss. Then I transitioned out. And it was beautiful to have something to work towards um, yeah. when people make mistakes or when they decide that they're just, I can't stand it anymore and they're gone. And yeah. then they don't have a plan. So what was your plan? Did you actually find something to land before you left?
1: I did. So I am I am always thinking a step ahead. I'm always thinking about the future short-term goals and long-term goals. Networking is huge for me. Um, and I learned early on that you always want one or two, right, a couple people within the company that you can dump onto, right? You don't want 100 people because if mm-hmm. then if one of them go and say something, you don't know who said anything. But if you have a couple people that you can like be honest with and really get along, right? So I had a person who, who um, grew, grew with me, right, mm-hmm. um, asked me for my resume, said she knew of some things, passed it along. And uh, I got not only one opportunity, but I have actually got two opportunities in the last year. I got one opportunity that came to do something different with the same company. At the end of that bad leader situation, uh, and about seven months into that position, in June of last year, same person reached out and said, "Hey, there's this amazing opportunity on this team, and I know you're happy where you're at right now, but I think you would be perfect."
0: I interviewed for it,
1: and I got it. You know, and again, I think it really comes down to you know being you are your best advocate, right? And like knowing, like, had I not been an advocate for myself, and had I just been like, "Well, this is the this is the hand that I was dealt, and I'm going to sit here, keep my mouth shut, be unhappy at work," mm-hmm. you know. These opportunities would have never came because nobody's coming to give you everything you deserve. Nobody is, is coming to you save
0: you. Nobody exactly. is going to save you from your own exactly. miserable work experience. Exactly. And so I like what you said about having an advocate. You recognized, first of all, that your manager was not your advocate. And you are correct. Your manager should be your biggest advocate. And if you don't have an advocate, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to go But then you have to look at who else do I have in the organization that can be an advocate for me so that you can make the determination whether you move to another department or how they can help you kind of get out of that uh, box that you're in with your manager. And these advocates are so critically important for finding next roles. People don't Mm -hmm. stay at companies forever. They move on. And you need those advocates and you need to use them. And you used yours incredibly well.
1: Yeah. And it's it definitely, I think it's important to know like how to use that relation, as you just said, right. Cause mm-hmm. it's not just having somebody that you go to and then you have all these expectations of these people, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's really understanding what that role is, right. And how it's a give and take and how you're having conversations with these people. I think it's super important because we're seeing so much of a multi-generation shift in like the workplace. And there mm-hmm. are these expectations sometimes of, of people in the workplace that are I think, really unrealistic, and it can cause some confusion at places. So with the right direction and people like yourself who are putting clips out there and information out there that are really valuable, it's helping, I know for myself from firsthand experience, know what to look for and how to have conversations when I do get these people that are willing to be a mentor and a sponsor for me, how to use them you know, and leverage this relationship to continue growing in my professional career.
0: They're so important. Uh, I try very hard if... Someone from my work past asks a favor of me. I try very hard to drop things and help them in the cracks of my day because it always comes back to you. It seems yeah. like it always comes back. So, yeah. it, you know, and i I neglected nurturing these relationships for many, many years because I was a single mom. I was single focused. Yeah. I was doing this really hard job growing in a company, then going home and raising three kids by myself, trying to make a house payment. It was so hard. And yet now I look back and I think, had I understood that just a little bit of my time to build the relationships with these advocates would have made my career journey so much easier instead of me trying to climb the mountain by myself.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think just for myself, it comes down to, I'll always give credit to my first boss who really taught me at the end of the day, you're really only as good as your word, as good as you can deliver and the relationships that you build with people, right? That is what so much of this is about is how you can, especially as you get into leadership roles, right? Like how do you mm-hmm. leverage and how do you relate with people? What are your relationships like, right? So it's, it's interesting how the conversation became
0: that um, towards this. What camera. a good boss, or I shouldn't oh call, my them. God. I shouldn't call oh him a boss. God. What a good we manager. Leader,
1: Leaders mm-hmm. is, is our, but I can't even tell you it's, I feel so, I learned the correct way From the very beginning and this i grew my career from entry level to director with this person Um, i speak with her regularly Uh, i just applied for a scholarship for school i'm going to school for my doctorate and uh she gave me this glowing letter of recommendation for this legacy scholarship that the school does and it was just i reflected as i was reading it of just how fortunate i was to have this person who taught me from such a polished professional correct manner it's, it's changed the trajectory of my whole professional life. I'm so, so grateful. And, th- and there are other of these people out there. It's so important. Like, and when you have them, I was such a sponge. And I will always be a sponge when I'm around these types of people because it's made me the leader that I am today. And I hope to return that to people that that I get to lead in the workforce.
0: Well, I heard Steve Jobs said once, you only connect the dots going backwards. And I find that to be very true. I can connect the dots going backwards. And some of these people, transitional people in my life that helped me get to the next level, I didn't recognize the value in the moment. And I recognize it when I look backwards at what they did. For instance, Stephen, I worked with Stephen R. Covey in their team. That was my first job out of college. Can you even imagine working with the giant Stephen Covey? I had no idea how cool that was. And the principles that I learned from him, they rest with me today. And if you look at my book, The Unspoken Truths for Career Success, my number one endorsement is from his son, Stephen M. R. Covey, who's also a best-selling author. Who would have ever known? So pay attention and, and be good to people because those relationships do come back. They do come back to help you or haunt you, by the way. Thank you for being on our show today. It is such a pleasure to meet you and so glad that we could talk about how you've employed some of these concepts to make your career better. And especially just to, to hear that you're making so much more money and so much happier now. Congratulations.
1: Yeah, I I really appreciate it and really have to say I'm so grateful for people like yourself, you know, and that you've you've done this and, and gone this route and used social media the way that it can be used to touch so many people's lives. When I first downloaded TikTok and these things, I never thought I would learn what I'm learning today. Um, and I think you are like the, you are the person I view the most on TikTok. Like, and I, and I learned something in every one of them and, and people come to me and they're like, help me with this. Or how would you do this? And so much of what I learned is from you. And I'm like, follow Tessa, follow the job doctor. I'm like, "I'm what I'm telling you, I didn't come up with, like, I learned this. I'm like, so you can learn it. You can do it, you know? Um, and it's, it's really had an impact on my life and I'm really, really grateful for you. Ah,
0: oh, you heard the man, follow the job doctor. And yes, really, yes. thank you very, very much. I I absolutely get so much energy from positive comments like that. So thank you. And it was a pleasure.
1: Thank you for having me on today.
0: If you like my podcast, you will absolutely love my book. It's called The Unspoken Truths for Career Success, Navigating Pay Promotions and Power at Work. I wrote it because I could see that people didn't understand why some people got ahead and some people's career stayed stagnant. So if you're interested in building a more frictionless career path for yourself and having a better experience with work, this is a book that you need to have. It's called The Unspoken Truths for Career Success. You can buy it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or go to my website at thejobdoctor.com.